Breaking news, the Penguins' victory song this year is Hip Hop Hooray. They beat the New York Rangers today in dramatic fashion and have surprisingly won three out of their last four. Uh, We make fun of old people and uh, more on uh, the general state of the union for the Penguins. This is Dying Alive, episode 21. As I mentioned, our podcast is old enough to drink. My name is Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh. I'm joined, as per usual, by Patrick Damp of the Pens Blog. Say hello, Patrick. Hey, Jesse, and uh, happy Hockey Day in America to both of you guys. Yeah. Did you guys check under your pillows this morning? <laughs> I did, and uh, there was nothing there. What did Mike Milbury leave you? Because I got a shoe. <laughs> Two sizes too big. <laughs> Touche. So obviously I'm not going to offer it to you. Uh, also joined by Mike Darnay of Pennsburg. Mike, say hello. Hello. What's up? Mike, you just shared with us before the show started recording that you're over your illness. I believe I am. Uh, it was roughly about six months. I kind of had a cough going on for quite a while. I was starting to get a little worried, but I think I'm over the hump finally. I was going to say, maybe did you get like maybe a PET scan or something there? Because that could be pretty serious. Probably, I think I just needed some rest, which I don't really get much of. You know what else is pretty serious? Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. Now are we talking Evgeny Malkin scoring or Evgeny Malkin trying to kill people? You got to address that, I guess, right out of the gate, huh? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, I would, I would say, well, obviously for those who... Or listening, we're talking about his stick swing at Michael Raffle from the Flyers. Um, I think he's lucky he didn't connect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, if he connects on that, then one game suspension is way too nice. Yeah, yeah you're I'm probably... Gonna, you're, I'm going you, to spit a bold take here real quick, too. I got to get this out. Okay. And then holding on to this. Uh, Raffle didn't punch him all that hard. I, I don't disagree. Right. No, people, I'm with you on people, that one. People come at me with that. They're like, we got punched in the back of the head. Like, well, yeah, he was wearing a helmet. Raffles wearing a glove. And it's no worse than what Sidney Crosby did to P.K. Subban last year. And y'all were cool with that. Yeah, it was, so. and it was, it was one of like five little smacks during that happened 100 times in a game. I'm just saying, if you take this, if you, if you judge this in the court of eye for an eye, it's way off. Oh yeah, and and I think and I think if he had connected, you're talking double digit suspension. This is like your neighbor back, like you back out, and you're trying to back out of your driveway, right? But your neighbor's car is in the street, and you just bump it slightly. There's not really anything wrong with his car, but your neighbor's a jerk, and he just bought the car. So then he comes over his house, like your house, with like a backhoe, and just slams it down on the roof. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> can, Chill out, well, man. Like, come while on. we're while we're on top here, can I tell you a funny story about neighbors? Oh, sure, please. Yeah. Okay. So I I'm gonna have to issue an apology, but I don't know who to issue it to. So um, garbage pickup at my house is early Monday morning. So I always put my garbage cans out on Sunday night. Bar play. <clears throat> so last week, put my garbage cans out, <clears throat> and it was very windy Sunday into Monday into Tuesday. Well, I had a long Monday. I had um, I had work and I had a basketball game to shoot after work. So I didn't get home until late. Forgot about bringing the cans in. 
Tuesday night, I get home late and I realize I didn't go get the cans in. So I go out, I look down, there's an alley behind my house. I look and I see these two garbage cans about 75 yards down, maybe. I walk down and I get them. Well, I find out today now, almost a week later, they're not my garbage cans. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, so mine are missing. No idea where. And somebody else is missing, too. But I'm keeping them. So sorry, Mike, that story. That story was better than season two of True Detective. I, again, I don't disagree. With That's you. not a high bar, though. That's not a high bar at all. Kind of my, kind of my point, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so back to the hockey's. No, yeah, the, so. the thing I was going to say uh, about the the Malkin's stick swing is part of this is that we're all Penguins fans here, and that we're all deeply embedded into Penguins Twitter. Is we are the organization and group of fans that you know wants the the NHL to be what the Penguins have modeled over the past few years, and that's a team built on speed, skill, and finesse rather than brute force. So when a lot of these brute force things happen, we always want it to be punished thusly. So I was saying that, like, you know, we can't be the people who want every crime prosecuted when it happens. Then when one of our own does it, we clutch our pearls and go, sir, you cannot just, yeah. you cannot call and him I love on that. that like, I love that, like, people, people, so many people came at me on Twitter that were like, oh, because it's cool that he just punched him in the back of the head, huh? But no, I didn't say that. No. Like, the, the, that doesn't, it also it wasn't doesn't even justify. Yeah, but it also doesn't punch. justify the reaction by any stretch of the imagination. And A, that was an ugly run. You know, the Penguins have lost, you know, what, three in a row during the middle of that stretch. And look, I don't I know people people want to say what they say about Rob Rossi, but his move to the athletic has been very much a face turn, to use a wrestling quote. He's been pumping out unbelievable content. And he made a great point that in January there was a long stretch of time where Evgeny Malkin not only was not scoring, which is frustrating, but his wife and Nikita are in Russia. So he's gotten used to like being his dad, right? And having like this part of his life present all the time. And now it's gone. She was filming. She wasn't here. So not only is he not scoring, he's got no family at home. Like pff, there's a human element to hockey. I 100% buy that. I 100% buy that. And I'll say another thing. Now that he's got four goals in what, 48 hours, right? Yep. Five points. Here it comes. I'm telling you. Here it comes. Well, yeah, here it comes because just look at the way he played over this weekend against both um, Calgary and the Rangers this weekend. He he just had that Evgeny Malkin jump to him to where it seemed like any time he had the puck on his stick, he was going to make something happen. And when Evgeny Malkin's going like that, that's the biggest deadline acquisition the Penguins can get. What did you make of the move today to take Nick Bukestad off that line and replace uh, him with uh, Zach Asteris? I mean, obviously it worked. Like, something was there because, uh, you know, they immediately connected for two goals. So, um, but was it like, a, do you take it as an indictment of Bukestad? Because I actually thought he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I thought he played well also. Um, that second power play unit, I mean, he was bossing it around. Yeah, I was going to say it might be one of those things that you make a move to get two guys going rather than to knock one guy down. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, Bugstad wears 27, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so that makes my point even more salient that 
I think he's just kind of a similar player to Hornquist in the sense that he can be just about anywhere in the lineup and be effective. You know, regardless of what Hornquist oh, yeah. has been doing as of late, you know, we can get into that, but. He's the kind of guy that it doesn't really matter where you have him in the lineup. First line, second line, third line, fourth line, center or wing. He makes the most of the opportunity afforded to him. So him getting moved off of Gino's wing isn't, I don't think is so much an indictment of Bukestad as it is uh, a deserved promotion for Zach Aston Reese, who seems to play really well with those guys. So That's true. Yeah, they do have a history. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean on the on the backhand goal, the the goal speaks for itself. But he had that nice no look drop assist. Uh, Mike, I think it was I don't know if it was you that made this point. Oh well, let me back up. I wanted to tell you something about Nick Bugstad. Somebody asked him this week, and I can't. I apologize. I don't know who it was, but somebody said to him, "Hey, ever play left wing?" And he was like, "He was like so eager to like be active in the top six, but at one point he was like, "You got to draw the line somewhere." But then after he thought about it, he was like, "You know, honestly, the only difference is like what you do on the breakout, and the rest of it is just kind of the same." He was like, "So I guess I could do it." I think that was. So, I, yeah. I think that was Seth, because I, I remember reading that with you guys was that he was asked about that and they were like uh well you know the breakout but I, i'm yeah. pretty sure that was in a seth story i could be wrong um yeah so moving forward here three out of the last four they they trounced the flyers which obviously we talked about that game it was awesome uh sydney crosby again uh just doing his thing can i uh, can i ask something um about the flyers real quick since we obviously have them coming up for the outdoor game next week yeah. I'm of the mindset that bringing Carter Hart up and playing him as much as they have is a mistake. How do you guys feel about that? He's playing well. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, anytime I hear that criticism, I think about Marc-Andre Fleury, you know. Right. It didn't really hurt him any. No, yeah. and and they made the move to get Cam Talbot so they can have a guy who can give him some relief. And like Connor, Hell- like Connor Hellebuck too was like a goalie for like the Jets at a point when they weren't that good, and like he sort of, you know, as they ascended to like a playoff level team to like a player in the Western Conference, like his uptick kind of went on the same that same token. So. I mean, there's there's been instances where where it's worked. I guess the jury's still out in this case, but I haven't seen anything. I, w- that- I would also say that his call up uh, coinciding with their firing of Dave Haxtall has made a difference too. Calling him up to play for a team that was playing the way it was before he was fired, I think, would be different. Yeah, yeah. that's that's actually a really good point. I would say the other reason I was thinking of that was. I, I'm of the mindset that the Flyers had and still do. It shouldn't be past tense. They have a lot of really good young talent, and I don't think they would be wrong to kind of write this season off and sell some pieces away and do a kind of on-the-fly retooling and be a really good team in the next year or two. But, I don't. I mean, at the same time, I Jesse bringing up Flurry is actually a – really good point i didn't even think of it from that regard but i don't know just the way i look at it is it's an organization that just consistently wants to be competitive rather than maybe waste a year and take themselves from competitive to actual contender yeah and um since they 
made the coaching change. They've been playing very well, actually. It's just so hard to come from behind in this league. Yeah, seven points. Oh, to make seven, up that gap. Yeah, seven seven plus up. points out of a playoff spot at the turn of the calendar is damn near a death sentence. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, especially when your schedule is set up to play teams in your division who are above you and are playing well. Right. Um, isn't it funny since we're talking about this recent stretch of games to watch Edmonton figure out what? Like pile of garbage they're going to put with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Like they're, they're fucking it, terrible. That's just so funny to me that you have that big of a hole. That like you have these two players, you know, one of which is certainly going to score forty goals this year. You'd think the other one in Connor McDavid's, you know, constant <laughs> is a Hart Trophy candidate. And then like on the third line, it's like, oh, it's uh, Jesse Marshall. Like, who the hell is that? Why yeah, is like. Why is he such a bad skater? Like, where'd they yeah. find this guy? Yeah, like, this isn't this isn't the 2013-14 Penguins where you had Crosby and Malkin and some top-heavy wingers and then a bunch of garbage. You have a bunch of garbage around two stars. They, they, they I think at one point during the Penguins game, Pat uh, was on my shoulders. We were wearing a trench coat, and we were on the top line with the Oilers. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's one of the weirder things, we too? We were 6-2. <laughs> One of the weirder things, too, is despite not having any, like, blow you away, oh, my God, this guy's going to make a difference prospects, their AHL team in Bakersfield, the Condors, are on a 15-game winning streak. Yeah. Who's the coach there? Do you know? Off the top of your head? Not off the top, no. Uh I know that uh, the other tire fire team in the West, Anaheim, their AHL coach is Dallas Eakins, and for some reason they refuse to bring him up. They let Bob Murray go behind the bench. <laughs> Jay Woodcroft, by the way. Would not have is guessed that. Would not have guessed yeah. that. Yeah, me either. Um, but, oh, by the way, that, that, Matt, Matt, that was like the zenith. That was the zenith of Matt Murray's comeback, by the way, that uh, that penalty shot save against Connor McDavid. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Dude, and I loved, if I can compliment one of my co-hosts here, I loved what you said the day after on Twitter, Jesse, about all the people who were like, yeah, well, you know, Connor McDavid shot it right into Murray's glove. Yeah, a lot goes into a goalie getting a shot put right in his glove. Positioning, angling, following the shooter. like yeah, Baiting the shooter. You know, like I like don't I, yeah. do, like don't, don't get me wrong. There have been a ton of guys out there who will put a shot directly into a goalie's glove when it is. Here's one. Great, you know what a great example is, Pat Frankie Peterangelo. Yeah, yeah. He didn't bait that. He literally threw his glove out to the to the to and, his left, and yeah. it got put into his glove. Peter Stastny would like put it right there, and it, like. I mean, kudos. To, don't get me wrong. Like kudos, to Peter Angelo, for even for even getting over there. I mean, that, right. you know, that's what makes it impressive. But that's a poor job of finishing by Peter Sassney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like. Yeah, and, and the Murray save, it wasn't it wasn't one of these instances where a guy makes a average save and then flashes the glove and you're like, all right, come on, dude. Right. And you wouldn't have said that about Flurry's save on Ovechkin in the 09. No, uh, it, it was it was two of the same instances. A guy came in on a breakaway. He came in from left to right or right to left, whichever it was. And they both tracked it really well and set themselves up to a point where the shooter was going to put it into their glove, not just... Wait, 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 wait. 
Are you allowed to actually say good things about both goaltenders there? Yes, yes, you can. Believe it wow. or not. I made the comment though in that same game, Pat, that like Latang got torched that night, but he got torched by Connor McDavid. You know, it's not like he was out there against like, you know, he didn't get torched no, by no me. He didn't, get, he didn't get torched by me standing on your shoulders on their third line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like no disrespect to Nico Heischer, but like one thing, if like Nico Heischer did that to Crystal Tang all night long, or, or if you got if you got caught by Milan Lucic sneaking in, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> I mean, oh. it's like McDavid. McDavid does this on the regular to everybody. Trench coat McDamp. <laughs> that would be our player name. Put that. There's the title of the show. Right I think there, I found, Yep. <laughs> I Trench coat. I also. What's, think- is that there's, what's funny is that Mick appears nowhere in my name, so I'm not all that well represented here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm short. My name is Patrick, and I'm Irish, so it it works real well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you make of the Calgary game? That was one of the weirdest games I've watched in my entire life. I didn't yeah, watch I it. it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't see it. It wasn't pleasant. I didn't enjoy myself. <laughs> like, it's just so unsatisfying, I think. There was nine goals, and like seven of them were garbage. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me was four of the five goals Calgary scored – were on deflections, tips, bounces, however you want to describe it. And it was one of those games where just the hockey gods had it out for the Penguins because, like, Mike Smith, who is a guy that they've had the number of forever and ever, amen, this was the one game that they really didn't. And on the other end of the ice, like, a shot's hitting two legs, a stick, a skate, and then ending up behind Murray. And then on the other end, it's like, okay, we, we've gotten five or seven clean looks on Mike Smith in, the, in one period, and somehow they're finding their way into his glove. Um, yeah, they got PDO'd. And it looked like that was going to – especially with you given the third period and the five-on-five play, like the Penguins – really should have won that game but like you said they got yeah. PDO'd that's all you need to know Mike I was yeah I <clears throat> I was at work and I couldn't be bothered to try to find a stream to watch it <laughs> and that was also that was also I think if you can take the bright spot out of a loss that was Evgeny Malkin declaring he was back because that entire you know, to some extent too, no Pat, right? Would you say that too? Yeah, absolutely. Those two, th- those two were, you know, Gino had his two goals, so you can't say he was PDO'd, and you kind of can for Kessel because he got a ton of chances. So it was just the two of them kind of standing up and saying, "Look, like we've been rightfully so the targets of criticism this season, but they just stood up that game, and for some reason the puck just wouldn't go in." You still have the uh, Crosby-Gensel combination still working pretty well. Uh, it hasn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's quite cooled off. Uh, I think if you can sort of figure out what you're doing on the bottom six and what your best personnel looks like there, um, that's a long way towards kind of figuring this thing out. Which we might see with uh, Nick Bukestad being taken off that line. Yeah, that'll go a long way for it. Patrick Hornquist, man. What a bizarre situation this is, isn't it? Yeah, and I was I was also going to say um, to to build off your point 
a little bit there, Jesse, uh, what your colleague Josh Yohe over at The Athletic said. Crosby and Gensel have been on their game all year. More so Crosby, you expect that from. But, man, nobody can change a game, the course of a game, like Evgeny Malkin when he's on top right. of it. Like, it, it's yeah. it's the, the physical ability that Evgeny Malkin has when he just decides, hop on my back, we're not losing, is a sight to behold. And he can still do it. Yeah, when he starts when he starts galloping through the neutral zone, you know you're in trouble. I uh, I said on Twitter today a, a trade deadline acquisition the Penguins could benefit from is cheat mode of Gennady Malkin. Yeah, mm-hmm. spot on. But yeah, Hornquist. Um, yeah, and you know who another one would be too? There, old Patrick is Justin Schultz. Yeah, he he's looked really good in his two games back. Uh, he, yeah, he almost scored on his first impact. shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then again, about three minutes later. Well, no, he did. That was the deflection. Yeah. So he almost scored in his first shift. And then about three minutes later, he set Gensel up. Yeah. And the. Yeah. yeah. Well, go uh, ahead. No, I was going go ahead, Mike. I, I was going to say, I think they're going to get some addition by subtraction, per se. Um, his ice time today was, I think, second highest on the team. So Mike Sullivan loves him some Justin Schultz, which means there's going to be less of Jack Johnson on the ice. Well, the unfortunate thing here is that, you know, Oli Mata, I mean, I guess, thank, our, thank your lucky stars that it's only a month. Yeah, uh, right. That looked ugly. That looked really, really bad. Um, no difficult decision is forced as a result. Well, the thing, Mike kind of built, uh, to build off what Mike said, that was something I was saying um, last week on Twitter when I saw, uh, there was a, there was a large contingent of people that were saying, oh, I don't think a Justin Schultz return is going to make that big of a difference. And I disagree with that just for sheer fact of, like Mike said, addition by subtraction. Because if we look at it from the standpoint of prior to Ole Mata getting hurt, your pairings likely would have become Latang Dumoulin, Schultz Mata, and then one of Johnson, or, uh, Johnson and Pedersen or Ricola. And if you put the, those three pairings out there, obviously Latang Dumoulin are going to take the lion's share of the minutes, but a little bit of that is going to be sent down to Schultz and Mata, which is a solid pairing. And then same thing upward for Johnson, Pedersen, or Ricola. So just by the sole fact that they can shelter that third pairing more with Schultz back in the lineup was going to be a huge difference. But now with Mata being hurt, that changes it up a little bit. But still, just and now Johnson's part of that second line. <laughs> right, right. And, and you know what? I mean, through two games, not a huge sample size. Johnson has obviously been himself, and we know what that is. But Schultz has not done a bad job of mitigating it. Question. What the fuck were the Penguins doing with Jack Johnson out there at six on five today at the end of the game? I don't know. I said the same thing, though, if you were, if you'll recall around Christmas, there was a game around Christmas and, and he, the same thing happened. And once again, he was he was out on the ice at the end of the game. I mean, you're, you're at home and you have last change and you can't keep that from happening. Yeah, I, I, I have one of two thought processes on this. One is the more cynical one of the regardless of how smart and progressive some hockey coaches are, including Mike Sullivan, they still have some of that old school mentality of he's a 
he's a good stay at home guy and a good defensive defenseman and that's why he was put out in yeah, that can I, can I can I just poop poop on that real quick Patrick go ahead yeah, let me just jump in and poop poop on that real quick. I'm gonna take a little quick. Because like quote, I said, quote. like I said, that was my more cynical view. Yeah, I'm gonna take a little quick stinker. So Chad Ruweedle. Mm-hmm. Today. As I call him Alex Moran. As I call him Chad, quote unquote, serviceable Ruweedle. <laughs> as he always has been. Uh, twelve uh twelve fifteen in even strength today. Um that's you know, by far the lowest of any of the defensemen, but still a pretty decent chunk uh, of time. I mean, consider the fact that Sidney Crosby himself played 13 minutes and 50 seconds at even strength. You know, he's not all that far off. Um, second, I mean, well, among defensemen, let's start there with, with Marcus Pedersen, uh, FYI. They were at a 60, 60% puck possession clip today. Um, and uh, from a scoring chance perspective, we're also at about a 60% clip as well. So, Let's understand something here, okay? <laughs> I just want to make this. I want to make this really simple. Chad Ruweedle, go back and, and through time. I don't care the circumstances. Basically, going all the way back to the Penguin. Well, really, over Mike Sullivan's, you know, entire tenure. These are the performances that he's given you in a five-six role, right? This this is the this is the norm. This is what you get out of Chad Ruweedle. Babysit his minutes, sure, right? Of course. But the, the fruit you get out of that is, is very positive. Jack Johnson got those same minutes, right, this season and just absolutely sucked with those minutes. Which is yeah, terrible. I feel I feel like I was gonna say Couldn't, I feel like Chad Chad Ruedel is the type of player who in that role can go out every night and you will never notice him good or bad. Let me tell you this. I just said he was a sixty percent possession player today against the New York Rangers. Yesterday against the Calgary Flames, he was a 60% puck possession player. <laughs> he did the same thing yesterday. 65% control of scoring chances. Yesterday, Jack Johnson was 14% worse than that. 14% worse. Playing alongside Justin Schultz. And, so, 14, and 14% worse than that probably was one of his better performances. So what I'm saying is, is that if you remove that element from the lineup, if you take that out, right, because I busted the myth – on the athletic that he was a good penalty killer. He's not a good penalty killer. He's terrible. He's one of the worst penalty killers on the team. So that's not it. And whether you want to judge it by shots, shot attempts, this penalty killing chief. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what metric you pick. Goals. Pick goals. You could look at goals and I'd still be right. So <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, Yuso Ricola gives you more. That's just the reality. And here's the thing. You, if you're going to argue with that, the burden of proof is on you to prove everybody else wrong. Yeah. If you're like, if you're one of the outsiders that believes that Jack Johnson has some bizarre, you know, magical intangibles that he brings to the Penguins, you have to prove it. Yeah. If you're if you're on a jury right now, you need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Right. And then the, like, the that, that's what makes me mad. And I don't and not to like not take it off on a tangent here or anything like that. No, tangent away. It's been two weeks. No, it's horse it's horse shit. You know, here's the thing, like when you insist that other people need to prove you wrong, right? Like that that that's not how the burden you make the claim, therefore you are responsible for providing evidence to support the claim. No one is obligate obligated to discredit the claim or take it seriously. Until you have provided evidence, ubiquitous you. We could be talking about anyone here. 
But that's just the reality. I have we we have mounds of evidence. Just sheer mounds yeah. of evidence. That and, and that they, evidence comes in all forms, whether it be visual from the a data perspective. Right. I mean, you and like if the you can cherry pick some data, but like, well, you you know, uh, leads a team in blocked shots. <laughs> you know, like or, uh, you know, whatever. Well, he leaves a team in blocked shots because he's you know on the every time he's on the ice, the puck's in the defensive zone. So that's, that's why he's a team in blocked shots. It's not hard to figure that out. And, I'd, and, I, and here's the thing. And I, I know I'm going off on a tangent here. I would rather have a defenseman, right, who can kickstart the play, provide a boost to the offense, get things going forward, right, handle the puck like it's not a grenade, and do all these other things than have someone who's, like, mythically good in front of the net or, like, good in the quote-unquote Battle areas. Yes, and and in in, in in the year of our Lord twenty nineteen, that is what a good NHL defenseman is. It's not. We've harped on it on this podcast a million times. If you are a one dimensional defenseman in twenty nineteen, you are not useful. Yeah, that one dimensional is the word that I think is important here, Pat. Because like saying a defenseman's good in front of the net. Like, and he's also good at other things. Like, oh, cool. What a, what a great added hey, bonus. you know who's good in you know? front of the net? <laughs> Brian Dumoulin. Chris Letang. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Dumoulin. Dumoulin's a big guy, also good in front of the net, and simultaneously good at just about everything else he does. Whereas, like, you do it, you, like say, list the attributes of, of Brian Dumoulin and compare them to Jack Johnson. You'd be like, no, like, this isn't even close to the same. Yeah, I even I remember uh, two years ago when the Penguins – ended up calling up Chad Ruido when he played in the outdoor game in Pittsburgh. And I was like, this guy's not bad. He's fine. He's, he's just, he's just fine. And you don't keep a guy in your line. Let's just say the penalty killing thing was true, right? Let's just say that that was in fact true. You don't keep a guy in your lineup just because he's really good at something that accounts for one sixteenth of the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they'd, they'd be better off if he was taking penalties. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Let's move well, on. No, I, 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 I was going to say the the the, the <laughs> less cynical view that I had was that I was listening to Greg Wyshynski's, uh podcast this past week, Puck Soup, and he was talking to Michael Russo of the Athletic Minnesota, and he was bringing up how that the Wild have a lot of issues with their salary cap, and there's some guys on some less attractive deals where they're making a little bit more, they're on a little bit longer of a term than you would want. And that kind of sets up a disconnect in a sense between the coaching staff and the front office. And I kind of feel like that's where they're at with Jack Johnson is that Mike Sullivan doesn't want to show any sign of disrespect or make his GM look bad by benching Jack Johnson or giving him less minutes. So it's just one of those things where they look at the the, the money and the term and just say, he's got to play. And I hate that that's a reality, but it's a reality. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. No. I just would have liked to have seen what would have happened if Oliamata wouldn't have gotten hurt. Agreed. I mean, I, I know the answer. I think we all know the answer, but it would be nice to at least watch it and sort of play out. And I saw a lot of people this morning before the Rangers game. They a lot of people had a comment on Yohe's 
10 post-game observations on The Athletic about maybe we're on to something with Jack Johnson over the past two games because he's playing on his regular side. I don't totally disagree with that, just in the sense that he's on his natural side and he would have been on a third pairing and he would have been sheltered if Mata wouldn't have gotten hurt. And I think you could have really negated the damage if that was the case, but unfortunately that's not the case. You know what, Pat? They could do that right now. Even with Mata Hurt, they could do that same thing right now. With uh, Ricola in? Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, or or with Ruido in. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't Anyway. Um, it was just – it was one of those things. It was oh, one I, I did want to mention, though. I did want to mention – and let me make mention this before I forget. Marcus Pedersen has very, been very good. Yeah, I think yeah, since Justin Schultz has come back in the role that he's in, and I love him on that second unit. He got that goal today. Yeah, and um, he, he, he does bring that little bit of an edge of physicality. We saw it from the hit on Austin Zarnick against Calgary. Yep. And, yeah, and, and, a, and to me, goal. that's that's one of the more valuable modern-day things that Pedersen does compared to who we just complained about for what felt like 20 minutes and Jack Johnson. But. Yeah. Pedersen doesn't chase hits. He lets them come to him. He angles a guy off. He plays it correctly. He's not going out of his way to chase a hit. He's just taking the game as it comes to him. Yeah, I mean, he wears the same number. He wears the same number as him, but he reminds me a lot of watching Ian Cole. Well, I, I, Rico does some of the same things, and, and we we mentioned earlier in the year the necessity of playing that sort of angular defensive game on a larger ice surface. You know, that's not a necessity given, you know, where those guys cut their teeth. Yep, absolutely. If you didn't play that, yeah, if you didn't play that angle on forwards, you were you were getting destroyed. I mean, they were going to walk you, you know. That was the – so it's translated to the smaller surface, you know, very, very well, I think. The, um, the one game that I think in this past two weeks stood out to me more than anything, though, was – the 4 nothing Carolina game because that felt like a microcosm of everything we've talked about to the extent where like they got chance after chance and didn't score and then it just seemed like everything bounced the opposition's way and there's like make no mistake about it like if there's a switch it has to be flipped now oh like, yeah position, it has to be flipped now like the- has it been flipped in the last week no not at all I don't think so no, I don't I, mean, I, I think that, you know, you look at the Flyers game, they won 4-1. There were large stretches of that game where they just got grossly outplayed, especially in the second period. Um, you know, Edmonton played them off the counter really tough. Score effects, too, guys. You know, they a lot of those shots that, you know, were boasted by Philly and Edmonton were, you know, as a result of, you know, the environment as much as anything else. Um, I didn't like that Tampa Bay loss at all. I thought that was horrible. Thought the the Florida game had some ugly spots, so I mean if you if you're judging the the, the team by you know I guess what ten games ten game segments, if they can pull off something good in the next three, I guess that'd give you a pretty positive return, um, you know out of the out of the ten games total. So it, it really depends on I think how they build off this win against the Rangers. That's what I was gonna say is I feel like this weekend's two games give us more of a positive outlook than anything because. Like we said at the top, the Calgary game, just an unbelievably weird game where everything seemed to bounce Calgary's way and nothing bounced the Penguins' way. And then today, like they like 
they grinded their ass off asses off against a team that regardless of where they sit in the standings refuses to go away and has a top line that is unbelievably on fire so uh, you know with that and the reemergence of getting malkin like those have to be two very positive signs well and, and no and, and pun intended here they're gonna have to exercise some demons this week because they cannot beat the new jersey devils yeah that has to change that 100 percent has to change you the the devils are a team if you're a team with your sights set on the stanley cup when a team at the bottom of your division is coming into your building you have to beat yeah, and it, it doesn't matter who the team is assembled by, who is on it. The Penguins cannot beat the Devils. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And then there's another, as we like to call it, litmus stick coming up this week against San Jose. The last San Jose game was ugly. It was not good. It, it, it was ugly, and the, the Western Conference in general is kind of like a tire fire right now. But as far as... Uh, Respectively to each conference, San Jose is right near the top. So, um, anytime Eric Carlson and Joe Thornton come to town, you know they're going to bring their best. Yeah, yeah. And then, then we head outdoors. Michael will be there with his camera. I will. Snap, snap. It's no Taking big deal. To me. It's actually, literally not. A actually, big, it's exactly a really, really fucking, big. Yeah, you're really you're fucking big deal to me. <laughs> you're a total liar. Yeah, don't don't don't, to, don't even try to downplay that, you bastard. Don't try to NBD me on this shit. Um, hey, speaking of Michael. Yeah. Drop the beats. All right. Uh, first question is from Michael. <clears throat> oh, asking, Ask- you asking the questions now, huh? <laughs> no, no, I am not. I can't help but have a popular name. Uh, at what length would you go to actually get rid of Jack Johnson? Do you believe he is just a major pawn? I don't know what that last part means, major uh, pawn. I believe he moves as slowly as a pawn does in the game of chess. <laughs> Other than that. Yeah, no, I don't think we're playing 4D chess signing Jack Johnson. I think it was just a stupid signing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ord asks, favorite penguin you love to hate? Hans Janssen is their pick. A complete turn. Uh, do you have that person's handle, Twitter handle? I I can find it. I don't have it offhand. Well, I just wonder. Well, well, we'll get to that later. Let's we'll loop back around to this because I have a good story that might go if it's the same if it's the person I think it is. Right. Anyway, um, uh, Drake Berhowski never hated a penguin as much as I hated Drake Berhowski. No Welch. Oh wow, I would I would go first first edition, not second edition of Ben Lovejoy. <laughs> first go round, he he redeemed himself. Second go round, yeah, he did. Yeah, fair. Uh, Cade asks if you had a gun to your head and had to defend Jack oh. Johnson or die, what would you say? This is just intense. Like I would say, take so me, extreme? Lord, for I am ready. Why is it got to be so extreme? Tell my mom I love her. <laughs> I would say he's got a lot of block shots. <laughs> um, this is an interesting question from Chad Tully. Do you think variance in PDO has more of an effect or less of an effect in today's game than the 80s or early 90s when goalies weren't as good? Oh, I, th- I think it's, I, mean, I still think it has an effect, 
but it might not be as extreme as it was then. Yeah, yeah, and I was even thinking um, there's an interesting angle to it because if you if you think about how shooting percentages probably go down as the goalie's save percentages come up, it kind of maybe balances out. Yeah, it's a good point as too. the era moves forward. Yep. Uh, Jay asked, what's your favorite summer activity you miss this time of year? Curling. I am very much looking forward to get back on the golf course. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't wait to golf with Mike again this summer. Uh, Chris Kraft asks, if you could, how would you reformat the NHL playoffs? Oh, yeah, I remember this one. I would just go back to the way it used to be. Uh, The one... That I was going to say, I'd either go with what Jesse said, go back to the one through eight, or I would go with uh, what Sean McIndoe proposed. The a few- higher seated team can pick their opponent. No, no, no. no. Um, what you do is the first two rounds are strictly conference, uh, one through eight, one through eight, recede for the second round in conference. But then when you get to the conference final. You reseed one through four, and it doesn't matter on conference. So there was there would be a legitimate chance that you could get like a Penguins Capitals or uh, L.A. Yeah, San like Jose. That. I don't like that. I if, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna mix East and West, you may as well mix it from the start at the beginning of the playoffs to so just go one through sixteen. Yeah, sure. I, I I like that idea just for the simple fact that like there's like I feel like if you do one through sixteen, a lot of teams that had a good season would get screwed over but I, I like the idea of conference final being one through four that's happening I mean, now anyway Pat <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, we're, we are all in agreement the playoff system now sucks yeah yeah I think I think mixing east and west would breed new new competition new rivalries of sorts yeah I mean in, in the era we're in like with travel and everything it's not as much of a burden like it's not like a team has to ride a bus all the way out, or uh, there's not a way to watch a game that starts in the uh, west in the Western time zone. But damn. Uh, let's see here. Good food man, <laughs> aka Kevin, asks: Better breakfast, biscuits and gravy, hash browns slash home fries and eggs, bacon, eggs and toast, or none of the above. Bacon, eggs, and toast. If I had to pick out of that list, yeah, I was going to say, but two and three are both elite. I would take both of those. No now, disrespected biscuits and gravy, though. No. Now, as I'm as I'm reading this, if can I say none of the above and provide my own answer? Yes. If that's the case, I would say none of the above and go with steak and eggs. Oh, I love steak and eggs. Yeah. I would also then say none of the above and go with country fried steak. That's also a good choice. Oh, country fried steak is incredible. Love it. <laughs> I just um, like breakfast Yeah, I agree. By the way, I saw, I think that was you, Pat, that was involved today in the argument about the uh, various breakfast foods. I wasn't involved. Maybe this is blasphemous to say, but I like waffles and French toast equally the same. That's fine. I'm I just, I, my, my disrespect for pancakes is high, though. Thank you. See, I think that's uh, pa- good. Like, what's the point of pancakes? They're just sloppy. Like, yeah. if I want to be a, like, I don't want to get covered in sticky, syrupy mess for 30 minutes. Like, give me something. Yeah, just, how do you, how do you eat? I feel like, uh, 
Yeah, well, that's a good question. I <laughs> I just feel like they they expand once they get inside of you. That's yeah, like it, it's like eating um, cement. It's just ugh. Continue on. Uh, Mike Neuer asked, "What's the hardest video game you remember playing growing up?" Oh, I actually talked to Mike about this on Twitter, so anybody that follows all of us saw it. Top Gun for Nintendo. Fuck that game. That game was fucking impossible. Fuck that game. I would say, like, the original Super Mario Brothers, but, like, only World 8. I could never get past the first level of the Top Gun game for Nintendo. You could do perfect. It's really hard. You could do perfect on everything. And then as soon as you had to land the plane, it would crash. Yeah, that was that was brutal. There was also a, a, a regular old Rambo for regular Nintendo that came with no instructions, and it, it it was impossible like to navigate your way out of this jungle. It was just there was nonsense. It was nonsensical. There was no also, point. Also, uh, super, super Contra without cheat codes. You know, it was also a really sneaky hard game. Sonic Two for Sega. Mm. That game, like. And not even a sneaky hard game. That was the kind of game where the first like five zones were easy, and then you got the metropolitan zone, and it was stupid hard. Uh, let's see. Hannah asks, "Do you think Beckham or Leo Murray can replace Jack Johnson on defense?" Like Matt Murray's dogs? Yes. I'm, I gotta be honest with you. I'm the Jack Johnson. I'm, I'm, it, we've reached our limit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we. I've have. reached my limit with it. Right, I'll scratch this next question then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Kevin Reuter asks, "What is something that makes you irrationally upset?" And then he uses an all-time phrase here that I have never heard before in my life, but I'm a big fan of. He asks, "What riles up your giblets?" I like that. Um, he he gives an example. If he holds the door open for someone who's a stranger and they disregard him like he's a panhandler. If I let someone merge in a high pressure situation and they don't give me a wave. Yeah, I'm I'm big on like let's say I'm the person you let merge. I'm big on giving the wave like the hand yeah. up just so you make sure you see it. Yeah, I look for it. Mm. I got mine. Anybody over the age of 60 using a self-checkout at Giant Eagle or Target? <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry to be ageist, but every single goddamn time I have gone to either of them and there's been somebody of that age using a self-checkout, they screw it up multiple times. Just go to regular checkout for the love I don't of God. Think th- I don't think that's an age-related problem in the world at this time. Oh, it, I, I think that's everybody. It kills me. Uh, Laura asks, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Was it a professional photographer, journalist, and failure of a hot dog eating champion for the three of us, respectively? Wow. Shots fired. Yeah, I know. Like saying Jesse could be a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be, uh, I don't know. Probably, probably an astronaut. I think I I wanted to do that at some point. Speaking of being an astronaut, Jesse, how did you feel about the uh, 
the death of the Mars rover. Felt so bad, man. I'm indifferent. Felt bad. I'm it outlived, it outlived itself. It outlived its projected lifespan by like 13 years. <laughs> I was gonna say it was supposed to be there for like what three months, and it lasted 15 years. Dude, I hope. I hope my last words are it's it's getting dark and my battery's low. <laughs> Uh, Devin asks best game day appetizer slash snack slash party food. I mean, how do you know? Buffalo chicken dip. Buffalo chicken dip for sure. I'm big on um, potato skins. I actually one time I had potato skins that were like stuffed with buffalo chicken dip. Oh, my God. That's incredible. And they had like little shavings of um, carrots and celery on top instead of like bacon. (sighs) Sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah, they were very good. Um, two questions related to the same topic here. One from Zayad. What are your thoughts on the Hurricanes? Do you think they are a threat to the top three spot, to a top three spot in the division for the Penguins by the end of the season? Yes. Yep. They absolutely are. Okay. And as, other- evidenced, as evidenced by the fact that they were uh, in the wild card earlier today. Yes. <laughs> and the other question same topic last question is from morgan if you were a member of the carolina hurricanes what would your go-to post-game celebration be i would probably try to find a way to do some type of jousting (laughs) like okay hang on are we talking like horse jousting or american gladiators jousting yeah like um like somebody's on all fours and like i'm riding them like a horse with my stick out like ready to stab somebody coming at me the other direction i accept that but the other would be fun too yeah there's no wrong answer unless you're done like if you were like if you were holding your hockey stick and trying to joust like a pugil stick Don Cherry was personally offended by the celebrations i was gonna say the one i would do was i would do and we're gonna do this assuming that nobody gets hurt would be bowling i would have like somebody skate in from the blue line down to the crease and have like six or ten guys line up with like their bowling pins and knock them all down what was your favorite part of don cherry's meltdown i'm gonna give you three options i was gonna say i didn't watch it so i'm glad to hear i have options the first part did you watch it mike i did once um i'm gonna let you continue but i am of the belief not just related to don cherry but when someone is showing their full ass we should ignore them, not amplify them. <laughs> showing their, showing their full. I mean, that's just half ass. Can I mean, you go half ass when I mean, showing that's, it? That's my opinion from the perspective. Bare ass. Like, like when someone says, "Hey, read this stupid column." Two cheeks. No, I'm not going to do cheeks, that. Two cheeks, not just one. Um. All right. Well, just for the sake of today of argument, I will. I'll give you three phrases. I'll give. I'll give you mine, even if it's not included. Is when he called them jerks multiple times. Okay. So that's option one. Is when he, when he when he called them, and I quote, a bunch of stu- a bunch of jerks, Pat, <laughs> a bunch of jerks for doing it, which they have uh, made a T-shirt for. Yes. The second was that he said it was, and I quote, "It's so stupid that they do this," <laughs> or. The third option is emphatically yelling that you know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> that was how he ended it. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go off board because I may not have watched it, but I did see a quote from it. And I'm going to go with option uh, D, 
they're bringing attention to themselves. Have you seen the suit you're wearing, Mr. Cherry? I don't think you're the guy to be talking about bringing attention to yourself. Enough attention to go around, Donald. Yeah, you, you have plenty there. Like, considering you're wearing a basically a kimono with a tie during that rant. Yep. <laughs> Could you imagine Justin Williams doing something like this? Yeah, I can, because he does it every time. Perennial serious guy, Justin Williams, Stanley Cup champion, celebrating. Yeah, he does it every time, Don. You know, you know what Don Cherry and Justin Williams have in common? <clears throat> Bad hair. They both, they, they both show their whole ass. <laughs> Next, we'll have uh, our uh, stadium series breakdown. We'll have a full rundown of the day's events. Anybody got anything that they'd like to plug? Um, that is what I would like to plug. I will be taking the train to Philadelphia on Thursday, covering Penguins practice Friday. Um, hopefully, I'm hoping to get like a like my my plan for the the weekend is kind of to do like a a photo essay of sorts, kind of just documenting the whole kind of weekend. Um, I'm thinking like some tailgate photos, some fan photos on Saturday before the game, obviously game photos and all that. And then um, I will be coming home Sunday. Make sure you don't show your ass. I will not. You couldn't just let me go first because I'm going to plug some stupid fucking post I wrote for a blog. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Anyway, I wrote a piece a couple uh, two weeks ago about Sidney Crosby taking a quote unquote discount to stay in Pittsburgh, which is a bullshit narrative. Go read it on Penn's blog. Anyway, Mike's taking pictures of the stadium series. That's way cooler. (laughs) I don't even have anything. So how do you think I feel? Um, we got to talk, uh, Pat, I got to, we might have a shift coming for you. I've been, I've been, I downloaded TikTok and while it lacks, significantly lacks in quality content, I am going to send you, uh, some things I want you to look at and maybe we could work into the show. Well, TikTok, um, TikTok of the week just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. No. And, yeah. and I, I liked TikTok when it existed in its initial form, which was Vine. <laughs> And with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, hey, don't what's the vine of the week? Hi, my name is Trey. I have a basketball game tomorrow. Well, I'm a point guard. I got a shoe game and. I-